Thank you for listening to the Resources for Integrated Care podcast series, Strategies for Health Plans to Support Access to COVID-19 Vaccines for Vulnerable Populations. This podcast was recorded as part of a live event held on April 1st, 2021. In this podcast, Shelley Winston, Health Insurance Administrator for Division of Part D Policy at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, shares information about CMS's COVAX Data Sharing Project. Um, I've been asked to give a brief overview of the COVAX project, uh, which is the project through which CMS shares COVID-19 vaccine data with health plans. And we're going to go over how it came to be, who's using it, and give some hint of the data that we can get at this point and discuss next steps. Next slide. So what created the need for the COVAX project to begin with? So generally, Medicare plans would have vaccine data for their enrollees because they pay the claims. But in the case of the COVID-19 vaccines, CMS determined that the government had already paid for the vaccines themselves and that we would pay for vaccine administration um, through the Medicare Administrative Contractors, or MAC. And the claims would therefore not go through the plan's usual claims payment system, um, but would come to CMS. And so while plans were happy about that, uh, when this was announced in late October of 2020, plans came to us and sought a way to play a more active role in helping patients get vaccinated, and they asked for data on their enrollees. So CMS wanted to respond to those requests. Next. So when designing the project, we wanted to make the vaccine data available to plans, and we wanted to get the data that was processed through the MACs and map each vaccine to the appropriate beneficiary and Medicare plan. And we also wanted to present that data in a secure portal, or perhaps we considered an API um, that would be available to plans for um, data and sharing where authorized representatives could receive the reports. And on the back end, which plans don't see, we wanted to perform various analyses as needed. We also wanted to assimilate pharmacy transactions into the flow. Why? We knew the critical role that pharmacies would play in administering the vaccines. In addition, pharmacy data is processed in real time and in a standard format. The standard format is the NCPDP, National Council for um, Prescription Drug Plans, and all pharmacy transactions throughout the country use that same format. So when we looked at all these factors, we thought that we should uh, use an existing portal because time was of the essence. And the ABI, A-B-I-I, as in Dear Abby, Abby um, portal was already being used for plans for different purposes, and people were familiar with it, and individuals were already credentialed, so we thought we would try and leverage that existing tool. Next. For those of you who are visual, here is how the system looks. So 
if you look and you see the providers, all the Medicare claims, um, including those for MAs, P MAPDs, PACE plans, go um, through the MAC for payment, then we would process those and then send them to this Abby COVAX portal. Plans would log in and, um, and access the data. But, and, and this is certainly a viable margin, uh, model. That's pretty much what we're doing now. But timing considerations were important because we wanted the plans to get the most contemporaneous information possible. And, and keep in mind, when we used data that was from the MAC, we wanted to use the data that was accepted on the front end rather than waiting for the claim to be adjudicated in the interest of time. But what we still missed was the speed that pharmacies use in processing transactions. So all of us who have been to a pharmacy know that pharmacies communicate with payers in nanoseconds. So you leave the pharmacy with the drug, no additional invoices are forthcoming. So we wanted to look at how to leverage that standard transaction and the speed that came with it. Next. To put a little bit of skin on those bones, if I would, if, just to orient you, on the left side of the slide, we have a summary of the day, how many days exist before a claim appears in our data. You can see the NCPDP, the pharmacy data, the great majority, over 85% of that data is seen within a day of date of service, whereas the second column, which is just claims received by the MAC, just received, you can see that in the second column. And the third column is those claims that are adjudicated. So you can see that there is a substantial advantage to using pharmacy claims and unadjudicated, I'd say yet to be adjudicated, um, other Medicare claims. Next. So to leverage the speed that goes with the pharmacy claims, here's what we did. So if you look at the left side, you see the pharmacy, Rx and CPDP transactions, and each pharmacy has a pharmacy switch. This is standard infrastructure that pharmacies have. And the switch, the sole job of the switch is to route the claim to the right payer. So we have the pharmacy switch route the claim to the MAC, just as always for payment. But we also went to the switches and said, you know, can you send us a copy? Our contractor, Relay Health, would then send that pharmacy claim within hours to CMS. And therefore, we have pharmacy claims um, to process, to analyze uh, within hours. And um, we've never used pharmacy claims in this way before. But of course, I think we'd all agree these are extraordinary times. And thus, through this system, we now have data for purposes of analysis within hours, which is, of course, quite useful. But we also thought that we could do better in terms of meeting health plan needs. Next slide. So 
This slide shows we did exactly the same upfront, upfront process. So a claim is processed, one copy is sent to the MAC and billing takes place, another copy is sent to Relay, just in the other model, but Relay Health sends a $0 claim directly to the plan. That routing and that claim is available to a plan within seconds. So the next question is, plans are now using all these data. Um, so next, please. What are they doing with it? We can confidently say that the majority of Medicare plans are downloading the reports. And plans attest that they need the reports to coordinate care and improve the health and well-being of their enrollees. Next. The data does have some limitations, which we really have to acknowledge. One, there can be duplicate claims. From the slides that I've shown you, I'm sure you can imagine that a pharmacy claim is received directly from Relay Health, but then goes through the payment process as the MAC. So we're better at deduplicating those, those um, instances, but of course, there's still duplication. And also CMS, neither CMS nor plans receive data on Medicare beneficiaries who are vaccinated at some mass vaccination sites. That is a limitation. And the other issue is that though we do calculate a planned vaccination rate, we realize that there's some limitations because um, comparisons of vaccinations between plans are so dependent on many other factors, including the supply issues, the state in which they live, and so on. Next. So there's been some analysis of this, and this is from a not-for-profit Sergo Advisors, and it's now being used by the CDC. And it really says that it indicates that, that it captures 28 supply and demand factors and um, tries to attribute how difficult might it be within a state or even with a zip code to get a vaccine. They looked at historic under-vaccination, socio-demographic barriers, um, health system constraints, health accessibility barriers, and so they developed this approach just to say each area is different and we have to approach every single patient in a different fashion. Next. So initially, plans said that they needed this data for care coordination or care improvement. What now? We know that many plans use the data in a very passive sense. Nice to have. They use it in some ways when messages come in from to the call centers. But really what we want to focus on, and I think this whole seminar is about, is beneficiary messaging and active engagement. Next. We are starting to look from a CMS view, we're beginning to compare data from fee-for-service beneficiaries to Part C. And initially, and this is very early data, it appeared that fee-for-service beneficiaries, which are represented in blue, have a higher uptake in vaccines for the first and second doses than those enrolled in Part C plans. 
But we don't believe this is going to hold, and we continue to do charts and analyses like this. Next. Similarly, we also see some patterns for dual eligibles. They seem to get fewer first doses, but seem to be set better off on the second doses. Again, we're looking to see what patterns hold, which plans impact these dynamics, and there will be more to come. Next slide. Now, this slide represents a critical concept. The data is from, again, from Sergo Advisors, but also updated with Kaiser Family Foundation. So, looking to the right, we have the skeptics. Those are the ones that will take much longer to convince, and we're just going to let them stay aside for now. We're going to continue to counter misinformation, but let's focus on the orange and the blue bars. So the orange represent the vaccine enthusiasts. These are the people who are beating down the door to get vaccines. And of course, the approach is to make it as easy as possible and um, provide logistical support, bring vaccines closer, and so on. But the persuadable, so we're seeing a movement from persuadable to being persuaded, and now they're the vaccine enthusiasts. So, and their attitudes can be different. It's not one group, one attitude. There's some that we're watching to see how this, these vaccines fared. There's cost sensitive, and we might want to dismiss that, say, what are you talking about? It's always free. Well, that may be true, but you have to get to the vaccine start site. You have to take time off. You may be concerned that if you're feeling ill after the vaccine, you won't be able to work at an hourly job. And all of those areas need to be addressed. And then there's the distressful. So we're, our, our goals really are to change the persuadable to a vaccine enthusiast and give them the support they need. In addition to a proactive approach, I'd also like to suggest that some good strategies I've heard about do not end in the vaccination itself. Studies show that some enrollees are socially motivated. So looking at peers being vaccinated is good, but it also might be effective if a vaccinated individual is shown to be playing with a grandchild or resuming their bridge games. So it might be more motivated, not just getting the vaccine, but seeing the impact in their social spheres. Next. So what is CMS's, what are our next steps? Well, we continue to add sources of information available to health plans. A lot is under consideration. And behind the scenes, we continue to stratify by groups, by demographics, by location. And of course, part of what we need to do is monitor best practices. And of course, the seminar is all about that. And um, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, 
MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. You can also find resources for integrated care on LinkedIn to stay up to date with our recent products and technical assistance.